All right, welcome to the Knowles 24-7 podcast. This is Brendan Sinone, Chris Nee, joining me. All business today. Chris Nee's face is shaven cleanly, uh, like a new man, like a rebirth, um, or someone going to the funeral, <laughs> one, 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 or, one or the other. Uh, we're going to probably do a 30-minute podcast here, guys. So we have Willie Taggart's press conference coming up uh, in about 30 minutes or so, so we're going to hurry up and get this done with. Not a lot to talk about specifically in-game. FSU loses 30-7 to to Syracuse, and, and the score was... The play was as bad as the score uh, would indicate. Not a lot of hope right now for this program, so I think we're going to take a big-picture look at, at why. Why the struggles are persisting, why we're at this point as a program, and I guess what possibly can be done, whether there's anything that can be done immediately this, this season. Yeah, it's a massive mess at this point. I mean, I think that's the easiest way of saying it. Everybody wants to point to the O-line, which is completely fair. It's a mess. Can't block it up. You're running for 62 yards against a poor Syracuse defense. But there's so many issues beyond just the O-line. Quarterback play leaves a lot to be desired. The RPO is not being run well. The offense isn't functioning as it's supposed to function. Wide receiver blocking is still a mixed bag. For every time they do it effectively, there's a time where you can stop, caption it, and look at how many missed blocks there are. Special teams is a complete mess. It's been outside of Logan Tyler being an effective punter for three games, there is not a positive to point to on special teams, which is just poor when you have an extra coach who's fully dedicated to that. There's no excuse. Um... Game coaching, there's been issues. Declining the penalty in the end zone. It doesn't matter what reason he gives. There's no good reason in my view. It didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. It was a poor punt with a good return. It was one of Logan's worst punts with a good return. So why don't you just try again? Mm-hmm. Are you scared that they're going to return it? Are you scared they're going to block, block it? If, it. Those, if, those are, like. if those are concerns, then, well, you need to fix those things because that's part of your special teams issue. Mm-hmm. Um, defensively, you know, they battled. They tried. They put a half together where Syracuse played a little skittish and only scored six points, but they ran out of gas and they're just not good enough nor deep enough to keep up with a team for four quarters when they're getting no help from the outside of the ball. It's a complete mess. Mm-hmm. There's almost nothing redeeming. Normally no. I'll say there's two or three things here that you can build on. Uh, there's no silver lining. No. This. So I think – we, you just went down the list of what's plaguing this team right now, and it's right. a long list. And you probably much longer omitted, than I went. Yeah, down, you yeah. probably omitted some too. And I agree. Uh, the talking point after the game from Willie Taggart, I think rightfully so, was the offensive line. It's about time that someone has come out and said this unit is underperforming. It's hindering everything that we're doing. Uh, but what are they doing to work around? And that? that's that's I guess what I want to talk about is okay. So so if you go down the list of say there's 30 problems with this program right now. No, that offensive line is probably deserves one through five because it is so problematic. Yeah. And, but that shouldn't distract from the fact that there are other issues. I will say uh, there are a lot of people that, that are saying, okay, do you put a tight end back? Do you put a running back back to black? Man, if you can't block it up, you know, three or four man pass rushes, like I don't care what. You know, you can send a guy back. That may help a little bit. But the problem is so in-depth and, and entrenched in, in the fabric of this offense uh, getting out of it right now is bad. And this is an offensive line that you know, had to have its top five be perfect. Jawan Williams has been anything but. He's a he's a disaster right now. Uh, your best offensive lineman, Landon Dickerson, who should be a guard, was moved to tackle. Uh, he gets hurt. Uh, he's out for an undisclosed period of time. Abdul Bello has no business playing. Well, that's how bad it is. And then you put in Brady Scott, and he wasn't much better. Um but he's willing to at least engage. Engage, yeah. Abdul Bello looks lost there. But so that's the offensive line is a mess. And how do you work around it though? And I guess that's 
That's probably what the coaching staff's trying to figure out. I don't think sending just keeping an extra guy back to chip. You put Trey McKitty back there and chip, and you're taking away your most reliable passing target right now. Yep. You keep a running back back there. Okay, like they did that a couple times. It doesn't really work out that well. It's it, when when you're giving up pressure from both the right side and left side, and often in the middle as well. Like man, it's it's a systemic issue that that is something Willie Taggart inherited. Um, it's on him to fix it. He deserves time to fix it. Uh, but at the same time, the results have to be a little bit better than, than what they've been so far. You have to show some signs of improvement or some signs of trying to do it differently to find an improvement. And through three games, FSU has failed to do that offensively. There's absolutely nothing sans like one or two drives against Sanford, which ended up losing. So thinking that was a decent FCS team, uh, they lost this, this past weekend. There's nothing that the offense is – consistently shown it can and do do well right now I think it's clear that Willie Taggart doesn't have the guys that he's comfortable with running this offense DeAndre Francois and I, and I say this by by couching it a little bit uh, he's under pressure about half the time I think PFF said he was under pressure literally half of his passing attempts dropbacks. But yeah and his dropbacks but he doesn't look comfortable running the offense. Nope, not in the um, least. There was a lot of body language that started to concern me. People are going to point to that the Abdul Bella tried to pick him up and him flipping, and that was bad. But even over on the sideline, he wasn't happy. And I, I can rationalize it and understand. Like, yeah, you're getting your ass kicked. Like, it's it's but, understandable. But but you're also the quarterback, and you have to be the – once you start fracturing, uh, that to me becomes – problematic that that can trickle through. He wants to preach leadership. DeAndre does. Mm-hmm. But is he really leading? No. He's not doing things that he has to no. do for the offense to succeed. And I get it. He's getting a crap beat out of him back there. Mm-hmm. I feel for the kid getting knocked that often, 20 times and 40 dropbacks or whatever it is. It's awful. I understand that. But there's opportunities for him to make plays with his arm and with his legs, and he's failing to do so in those situations when they present themselves. Mm-hmm. And this offense currently is living so on the razor's edge of being really, really poor that when you get those opportunities, you have to capitalize. And there's other issues. DJ Matthews drops that second down pass across the middle early in the game. Halts some momentum for the offense. That finally looked like it might get going to some degree. So there's plenty of other issues other people point to. I'm not putting on DeAndre's shoulders by any stretch. But there's things he can do better. At some point, he's got to keep the ball and take a hit by going forward just to keep the defense honest because they're going to pin their their air back, their ears back, pin them back, and just keep coming after that ass. And if you're, if you're not if you're not keeping them honest, they're just going to keep doing it. And when your guys are that poor on the edge blocking for you, you're not helping yourself. And one thing that our we saw probably dozens of questions asking it, uh, and I know you and Josh respond to it in the thread during the game, and that was. Should FSU make a switch at quarterback? You put in James Blackman. Um, two things on that real quick. One, I will say I like the way James handles himself on the sideline. He's completely engaged, always, all the time. He's a great teammate. You know he's someone who's going to be respected when he steps in. Guys are going to play hard for him, so you don't have that drop-off. He's someone who has – he was recruited by Willie Taggart. Actually, when he was – when Willie was at USF – he ran more of this type of offense in high school than DeAndre Francois did, but he also didn't look super great in the preseason, which is problematic. Um, and two, when I asked Willie Taggart about that after the game, and that sometimes you got to put on your journalism hat and ask a question that, you, that, that needs to be asked. I don't think making a change just to make a change is a great idea because those systemic problems with the offensive line and wide receivers being inexperienced are so deep 
that I don't know who makes that position right, but you asked Willie Taggart, and he said that. He said, well, you want me to put someone else in to get their butt kicked, basically. Um, I, I don't know if DeAndre is the problem. Willie said he's not, and I agree. I don't think DeAndre Francois is the problem, but at that position, if you're not part of the problem, or if you're not part of the solution, then, then you are part of the problem, I, I think, except such an important role within any offense. It's a tough balance to go with a quarterback change because you can completely lose the guy you pull, potentially. Mm-hmm. You might pull and kind of do a two-quarterback system and try to balance it. Again, a tough thing to do. But at some point when your offense is running 60 plays, averaging four yards per play against a Syracuse defense who's porous, you need to do something for a shot in the arm. Mm-hmm. And whether that was Blackman for one drive, just let DeAndre take a moment, catch his breath, have a conversation with Walt Bell, whoever you need to talk to, or if you go for it for a half, whatever you do, I, I feel like at some point you got to shake it up and see if something takes. And it's not going to be much prettier no matter who you put back there because there's issues that surround the quarterback that are outside the quarterback's control. But you got to see if at some point you just kind of stir some luck and get some confidence and get some momentum because currently FSU's offensive side of the ball has no confidence and has truly struggled to ever have any momentum in 180 minutes of gameplay. Yeah, and any little glimpse that they do have, it's just there's almost immediately a setback, always. Uh, the game management or clock management into the second half was was bad. Um, trying to think, uh, they have... Uh, well, Syracuse had the ball for thirty, almost 37 minutes, while FSU had it for just over 23 minutes. So you can't survive. That's going to kill the defense. And they're living Here's in the second and issue. long, too. Yeah, one of 14 on third down, because you're in a lot of bad third down, third yeah. and longs. You're getting yourself behind the chain. Awful. Penalties were just blow your foot off bad. So many drives extended for the other team. So many drives killed for the visiting team, FSU in this case. You can't be your own worst enemy and be bad because you're going to look as awful as they look. They have more penalties against the two Power 5 teams they play this year than they do points, uh, which is an indictment. By a large margin. uh, Yeah, it's almost doubled. I think it's 18 to 10. Um, They had 11 penalties against Syracuse alone for 90 yards. And and it, some of those were, were on, de- on defense. but it, it, So that's what we're saying is that the offense, which is what we're focusing on right now, is a huge problem, but it goes beyond that right now. I get you don't want to scrap your system. You want to be what you're going to be long term, and you want to implement that and be that. Completely understand that. I don't disagree with it. I also think it helps you find who's going to help you long term. Mm-hmm. But the goal is to drive the ball, score the ball, score more than the other team, win games. That's the goal broken down in four easy segments, and currently FSU is not doing that any of the four segments. At some point, it has to be as simple as let's gain yards on this play, gain yards on the next play, get a first down, get a drive going. They're awful. Their offensive drives are non-existent. I, the best word used to me on Saturday I used in the game story was that the offense is incapable. And it entirely describes the issues they're having. They can't run the ball. They can't pass the ball. They can't string together plays. They have no version of an offense that's effective currently on that football field. And so in relation to the offense being, quote-unquote, incapable, and they're not being seemingly a a clear fix because you can't fix offensive line right now. No. That is what it is. It's a personnel issue, and it's going to take multiple recruiting classes and hopefully good development and non-bust together. That's where Willie gets – uh, somewhat of a pass. It, it, it's bad. And it was going to be bad no matter uh, Vince Lombardi could have walked through that door. And, but and I think it still would have been. There were things that Willie deserves no pass for. And, too, that's, and that's, that's the issue. And that's where the balance is right Things now. that are within entirely within his individual control with this team, which is his team. The penalties uh, mm-hmm. being one thing. The special teams looking like a cluster. Uh, 
the offense hasn't looked good. Uh, we haven't seen it, at least from where we're sitting and standing and watching this team, any drastic changes through three games where they're trying to alter their approach other than doing some things like mixing around the offensive line, uh, shortening the wide receiver rotation. There hasn't been any schematic change. I don't know if there is one that exists, but you haven't seen the attempt to to do that, and it seems almost kind of stubborn to this point, which um, if you're a Florida State fan, I think should kind of send chills down your back because stubbornness is what turned uh, a really healthy, strong powerhouse program into this state right now. Uh, I know we don't want to keep talking about Jimbo, man, but but there are those lingering aspects of this roster still with his you know, fingerprints on it, and it's ultimately Willie's job to, to fix it. And I'm trying to work on a column right now that, that basically is finding the balance of, okay, what what was Willie, what did Willie inherit? What can he legitimately fix? He inherited personnel issues and personality defects. And, personal, and I think that's the biggest thing now moving forward that, that Willie will be judged on this season is how does he prevent those personality defects, the, whether they're clicks in the locker room, whether there are guys who are standoffish that don't know how to win, that know how to lose, whether he can keep that from snowballing into losing this team in year one. I think that's the biggest narrative going forward, Chris, that, that thing that I'm interested in that Florida State fans need to focus on. The offense isn't going to be good this season. I don't think I don't think there's any way that happens where we're sitting right now. Uh, maybe they, they change some things up and it could become serviceable by the end of the year, but that seems unlikely. Uh, what you're really trying to do is to somehow scrap to 500 to avoid winning two or three games this year, to, to have some kind of semblance of something positive to build on, to show that the program didn't get... Uh, quantifiably worse in the one season since you took over. I think that's where Willie stands right now as we kind of look at the big picture of all this. Can you show that you can keep this team afloat, that you can keep this program healthy and, and buy enough time to bring in the reinforcements to put your your actual you know, fingerprints on this program because it's in a bad state right now? He's about to battle a major task of trying to keep guys from checking out, especially <laughs> veterans who may not be all the way bought in on what he's trying to do. And mm-hmm. you got to realize some guys are going to do it, and you got to be quick to move on from them and make the huge movement. We've seen a healthy amount of defensive young guys mixed in. I don't no, think young guys who do look well, silver. So you said no silver line. Yeah, those young Asante, guys. Asante, AJ Layton, yep. both have played very Jayden well. Jaden Woodby, obviously, it's almost like we forget that yeah. he is still a true freshman mm-hmm. in some ways. Uh, some of those younger defensive line. Marvin like Wilson, Dirt still Marvin only Wilson. a second year guy. It's playing some really good ball. So there's, and I don't feel like the defense has checked out at any point in three They games. played hard. They did wear down. They were worn uh, out. I yeah. mean, you can, and that was going to happen. You get a test of how uncomfortably human it was in there. Yeah. I did not go, but I've spoken to plenty of people that I know that did attend, including yourself, obviously. Nobody, everybody said it was miserably uncomfortable in that dome. Mm-hmm. Um, they were on the field for 88 plays, man. And, yeah. like, and, and we're put in bad situations that, consistently. That third quarter was a, like, if you had anything left in the tank, it was going to be taken from you by Syracuse. Mm-hmm. By the way, they dominated that third quarter yep. with time of possession, plays, the amount of plays they ran quickly. One or two series into that third quarter, I said, okay, Florida State's offense doesn't do something to sustain a drive or to score or to get momentum. Like, this is done. Because yeah. you could feel that defense was pressing, was working damn hard, which is encouraging. Uh, but everything else is so bad, it doesn't matter <laughs> what the defense is, clearly. Yeah, I mean, they made Syracuse work. They had that nine-play, 64-yard drive. Took about three and a half minutes to score, about seven minutes left in the third quarter. But the next time they get the ball, four for 57 for one tw- and 126. And then, you know, the next Syracuse drive is 11 for 62 for 341, which went into the beginning of the fourth quarter. So it was, like, very easy. And then, yes, they made them work again, but they still just – they but were able to march down the field. With a backup quarterback, too, yeah. at that point. Yeah. 
Yeah, with Tommy DeVito. FSU should have sent a world of hurt. I don't think there is really a fix. Um, I don't Not think they're going to finish 500. I don't think they're going to extend the ball streak. I don't really see a glimmer of hope. Uh, the offense is miserable. It's awful. And I don't think that there's going to be a decision to scale it back to something super simplistic that works as much as something can work with the personnel they have at hand. And I don't think all of a sudden the personnel is going to be any better, especially up front. And, so. they, and they, you know, the whole mindset of instilling, and that's what this whole offseason was, was this fast, exciting. Uh, sure as hell hasn't been exciting. Hasn't been exciting <laughs> but you're trying to make it fast, and you're trying to make that a mindset, a lifestyle for this team, especially the offense. Well, now that becomes just detrimental to the defense, which is what we saw. So now you're trying to go fast, and they slowed it down a little bit, but you're still trying to go up-tempo. And I guess the one thing that Jimbo did have right was he had to go slow a bit, but that's also to make up for the shortcomings that he had recruiting. Um, and to keep his defense off the field, exactly. which can't stop anybody. Exactly. Um, so we look bad now, Chris, because uh, I think we both had them scored in the 30s. I thought they could well, somehow run the defense. is unimpressive. And it's been terrible for years. This is I, a top I 10. love Chris Slayton, a D-tackle. He had one of the early big hits on DeAndre. He's a really good player on a really bad defense. Their linebackers are horrendous. And their secondary is very young. The Cisco kid is a good player, but he's a true freshman. He's going to get beat here and there. But their D-line, their DNs look like all-world, and they're not. They're they, not even close. They've been bad. Their their averages in the first two games this year, and a lot of that was junk time that Western Michigan had. But still, Western Michigan moved the ball on them, scored I think it was four touchdowns in a in a quarter in the second half. Uh, but Syracuse has been bad since Dino, Dino Babers has been there, and real bad on defense. We're talking about like one twenties nationally. FSU's offense basically had the same level of efficiency or lack of efficiency as Wagner did against Syracuse the week before. Wagner. I, I held out hope going into that game that offensively FSU would figure out some workarounds, basically, and that they would hit a few big plays to put up, you know, three or so touchdowns on yeah. big plays and then work a couple drives in there to get themselves around 30 or so points. No, if it's not happening against it, them, I don't know when it yeah. does happen or if it can happen this year. So so now we start looking, and that's what the whole point of this podcast is, is, is big picture. Um, one, the expectations, like I said, we, we – we missed. Oh, uh, no but, doubt. But, but, yeah. Well, you had 9-3. I had 8-4. It's not even going to be close to yeah. that, it looks like. Uh, Might flip it if we're lucky. Um, <laughs> but even the, so like the S&P Plus and I think the ESPN, FBI, they both had FSU as like a seven-win team. So this isn't one just us being blatant homers. I think we got the bump or two thinking that the goodwill was going to, to happen. But, yeah, the, the good vibes were going to lead to something more impressive. But this was quantifiably like a team that was going to be, you know, a little bit better than 500 is what – the expectation was. Um, and if you win a couple games early, who knows what happens. The league isn't ultra-impressive either. It's not. There's not and a that's held true. That was my feeling going into season. That's held true. Clemson, obviously, very good football team, going to compete for the playoffs. Notre Dame. College going to get after that. Notre, Notre Dame's good, man. Notre Dame is capable. Or I'm sorry, BC's BC, really good. Yeah. Notre Dame is also capable of being really good. They looked very good against a middle of the road Michigan team to start year, and they've kind of played down to their opponents the last two yeah. weeks. But in general, I think Notre Dame's a good team. I expected that to be a loss for FSU going in. NC State was kind of my third pick that I thought they would lose, and then I thought they were capable of losing another one. Yeah, I mean, at no, this I point, don't. it's tough to look at who I think they're going to beat. Yeah, and most. Most of the, those metrics, as they readjust to what FSU is, you got NIU this weekend, and, and after NIU that, is it, equally god awful, especially <laughs> offensively. They're, they're good on defense. They're and arguably the worst offense in the country. Which <laughs> FSU is competing in that realm with uh, them, but NIU is truly worse. So Saturday than FSU is going to be offense. a fun game to cover. Um, 
But I guess my point about expectations, and we were wrong. Like, that's yeah. clear. There's not debating that. More disturbingly than you and I being wrong or the fan base thinking that this was going to be a 10-win season. Willie. Um, Willie has either won completely miscalculated the talent that he had on hand or two has failed to maximize the talent he had on hand. And either one of those is, is good. All coaches are going to blow a little smoke. Some of it's trying to instill confidence in the bunch you have. Willie did that, but there was no tempering of expectations by Willie. Even when given the opportunity end of spring during the preseason, it didn't happen. I'm fine with I understand what he's trying to do with the culture here, but he's digging himself into a bit of a hole that's now a massive predicament for him because the team's pretty awful doesn't show any signs of improvement, at least through three outings, and it only gets more difficult from here going forward. And he hasn't looked like someone, especially after that first game against Virginia Tech. Like, like He was maybe gassing it up a little bit, his team, to try to instill confidence, but he didn't think this was what was he was in for. He didn't think he was walking into this situation where they were going to have 10 points combined against two Power 5 opponents. Yeah. And neither one, Syracuse is a poopy D, and Virginia Tech... Uh, there are issues of Bud personnel. Bud can coach, but you should score more than three points against them. Um, and and so he's looking straight in the face of uh, completely whiffing on any expectations that weren't astronomically high. Like even if you and I were on the high side, nine and three, eight and four at Florida State shouldn't be unobtainable. And, and right now it looks yeah. impossible a quarter of the way through the season. Players and coaches banging the drum of the standard is the standard. And they're going to fall very short of that standard. Did you hear Willie drop a trust the process? <laughs> Bob actually texted me <laughs> during the, uh, while watching a post game, that very comment. Oh. said, oh, God, it's happening. <laughs> um, yeah, they're just I – mean, they're not good. Um, so, so I like to try to spin it forward a little bit to see what – what you can possibly do on on offense, uh, maybe reduce the tempo a little bit to help out the defense. Um, give DeAndre pre-designed reads. You're not reading the actual. You know you're not making the the triple option read with the the bubble screen and the running back. It's just you're reading one thing. You read the defensive end, or you don't read anything, and you're just predetermined. This is what you're doing. You can try cheap, keep, keeping someone into chip, a running back, a tight end. I, I'm not a huge proponent. I don't think that helps solve many of your issues. That that That's robbing Peter to pay Paul because your outside receivers still aren't super consistent. Your passing game, the, the one thing DeAndre does well is step up in the pocket and deliver the football. Uh, but when a pocket doesn't exist, you know. But he's even gun-shy with pocket awareness at this point. Oh, he is. He's struggling yeah, mightily with filling the pocket effectively. And, he's been battered. You know, stepping into the lane yeah. that he can throw into. He's had issues with that. He's always had some issues with that, but it seems to be getting worse each week with how much he's getting banged. Yeah, he doesn't He doesn't have any confidence that he's going to be able to step up and, and deliver a throw. Um, he could, Because he did miss some on on Saturday. And that's we're not trying to say that. You know, he doesn't. Then, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you uh, off. I just pulled a Sinone. Um, he doesn't look all that spring fresh anymore. There, there was a example where he scrambled. I believe it was to the visitor sideline, FSU sideline, and he just looked slow footed doing it. And I'm sure his knee's not feeling particularly good, and he's not feeling particularly good. But it's like 
I know he's got to keep him honest with running the ball, but the there there's not any speed being exhibited by his legs currently. Yeah, we have an offense, and I know Willie said you don't have to be a running quarterback, but that has to be something that at least scares the defense, and that that doesn't exist right now. Yeah, got to keep him honest. Whether that's him not being able to pull off those reads, and I thought he did some a little bit better on Saturday, but it still wasn't good. He still had some massive misses. Yep. Um, or if it's just him not being able to physically, whether he's not able to mentally make those reads or physically able to pull them off after he he, he does take off and, and show the threat, like that doesn't exist. Um, so if you can't block and you can't do read option, <laughs> like there's all offense and the whole thing's behind it. Yeah, I spoke uh, last week on the pod about figuring out what you're good at, but the issue currently for FSU is they're not good at anything offensively. Mm-hmm. There's no go-to. No. no other, than, other than throwing it up and down the field to Tamori and Terry who – Tends to do a good job of battling for the ball in yeah. limited ops he's had this year. Uh, there's very few, and Trey McKitty's been good. There you go. Yeah. I, f- I found some slivers of hope. Yeah. I. But then again, people want to keep one of those back to block. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's that's the issue that your your options are so limited. That's my point. Is, I, is you're in a bad spot right now. I think at this point you're scripting it up and trying to run hard on a script and just see what you can find success with and try to make sure people understand the script and what they're supposed to do and. You're not going to have a lot of success, but you're going to have more than you're currently having, and see if you can build off of that. You maybe don't stick with that long term, but and I use the kind of game you can try to maybe instill some confidence with doing something like that. So why not? You know, Chris, you mentioned scripting. That's one thing I think we should bring up. As Willie had talked about, he was asked uh, after the game whether he would consider giving up play calling just to pay more attention to the rest of the team, and he was adamant, no. Yeah. No. The thing though that bothered, and I'm fine with that. That's what you want to do. It's only three games in the season. I don't think you have to completely blow it up now. People want the instant gratification. I don't think that's a necessity at this stage. It may be something that you have to for sure do down the road. Um, but I think the part to me that was concerning was them saying no was what came after that, which was I've had success calling plays elsewhere before. I don't love the idea of, oh, because it worked with me here, that then we can keep doing it. Again, That that's a problem that got this program into the predicaments and now before is, is a hubris of, because it worked before, because I, I can do this, I know I've done it before, doesn't mean you can always replicate it in the same situation. Things are different in every single place. That may not be what's best right now for this program. Now, Willie obviously thinks so, um, but through three games, he hasn't really built up the, the cachet to to stand on that, too. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, he's going with the long play. He's going with what he believes will work in the long term for FSU under him. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's going to do. He's not worried about getting fired year one. People are going to cry for him to get fired every time they lose. That's just a natural order of college football. He's not getting fired this year. It's going to Yeah, it's a $25 it, million dollar buyout. I that won't say he exist. won't because God knows weirder things have happened in college football. But the likelihood is extremely slim. And maybe so, if they don't win another game the rest of this year and it just... You're talking about a one in eleven season, uh, but but even then, I mean, it's going to be a new athletic director. But you're talking about spending you know, sixty million dollars on a football facility. Um, you're talking about a new athletic director. You're talking about a football program or just an athletic program that's kind of reallocating resources and trying to figure things out when they for a new staff that they're going to have in. Um, I don't know if you can find twenty five million or however much it is. Wayne, I was talking to Wayne um, McGee at the Democrat after we were, I was driving home and I was talking to him. He was like, "Oh my God!" He says two thousand people have read my contract story, the contract story that he wrote about Willie Taggart after he was hired. They were reading it in September, like two thousand people just they stumbled were across. The they were just googling that. Yeah, yeah. they were googling <laughs> Willie Taggart bio. <laughs> but uh, you know the keywords to, SEO to think. 
anything short of just completely not winning another game or some horrendous off-field incident or something, like there's that doesn't exist. And well, he deserves time. And I think that's what I'm working on right now. He deserves maybe not the benefit of the doubt because you're losing that cachet to a certain extent, but you do as a person deserve time to implement your program, to recruit your guys, uh, people wanting wanting instant gratification aren't going to like hearing that uh, and I get it and you have every reason to be concerned and to be frustrated but but give him time to to implement it at, at the same time though Willie you got to show you got to give reason people people to buy it I think people can yeah. deal with six and six at this point and say okay let's see what happens in the future I don't even think it's wins and losses at this point and I agree with you on he's he needs to have time mm-hmm. I think the issue with the overwhelming frustration of the fan base which is completely you know after watching three outings like they have, makes entire sense. But I think the thing with it is that what in those three outings have given anybody, whether it's us not analyzing the game or fans just watching it for an entertainment enjoyment standpoint, what has given them any reason to go, there's reason to be optimistic about the future. And they're, it's very tough to come by. You know, my wife's laughing at us with her family. She was up there and in the, in the, she was up at Syracuse with her family. They're from upstate New York. They were texting me in the middle of the game. Say Brendan and Chris thought that FSU was going to score thirty points. Like her dad was texting me, laughing at me. In the we middle deserve of the game. to I be look wrong like an for ass. that. Yeah, we do. We were wrong. The any level of optimism of a turnaround for this offense is gone for me. I had it before Syracuse, partly because Syracuse's defense is garbage, and it's gone. The, the only thing that changes it is if they go out and they score sixty points or something. I, you know what I mean? Anything I'm, short I'm of on the verge of price it. of right of like predicting a three to two win for FSU because it's just it. If I'm going to predict a win, I'm literally going to predict them to beat the safety with a field goal. They're uh, they're eleven and a half point favorites for Vegas. I mean, I think I already dropped ten and a half, so I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to enjoy watching that this week. Dropped probably at least a touchdown for for a team that can't score. That somehow having a ten point. And you can't score either. Though. They, they're thirty seven points in three games, twelve point three per out. That's going to be an ugly game. I'm going to guess NIU just comes in and. It, Tries to end the game as quickly as possible, and uh, Sutton Smith is—he's uh, defensive end for an IU. He, he may have 500 sacks this game. Yeah, he's you know 18th in the country in sacks. I think he's six or eight somewhere right there in the top 10 in tackles for loss. Well, he, he led him. He's, he led the country. He's had a career of being the guy that lives in the backfield. Yeah, he led the country in sacks and was right out there in tackles for loss last year. He's a converted running back who's basically like a like a rush end. Like he's only 220, 230, but he just gets after the quarterback. You, he's you really think quick. when he sits down and watches film of Juwan Williams? Williams and Abdul Bello, he's just downright giddy. Yeah, I'm sure he looks at that and is just, just mm-hmm. rubbing his hands together because he's that may be where you have to chip. You may have to shadow him. Uh, one other thing with the offensive line, man, uh, before we wrap this up, we're hitting 30 minutes. I don't know. We have to ask Willie Taggart today. We'll probably have a story for it. Where, De- where Derek Kelly's health is at, too. That's yeah. one. That's your probably your second best lineman. They're fast approaching burning a red shirt on a freshman on the offensive line. With three or four freshmen, one of whom's definitely out. Christian Meadows, I believe, had surgery on his shoulder, or at least is going through some intensive rehab. Um, so three, Chaz Neal, Jalen Gauze, Christian Armstrong. Armstrong's a guard. Yeah. Chaz Neal uh, was a former low, DN. Yeah, low-tier defensive end. He did travel with the team, and Jalen Gauze didn't even travel with the yeah. team. Jalen's a converted tight end to offensive tackle, who I think is going to be a good one long-term, but he's, like he's 270 pounds on a 6'7 frame right now. Yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, they're fast approaching one of those guys possibly being thrown in the fire. It's just utterly amazing how god-awful their offensive line is in every facet. Not just play, but the depth chart, the way it's been constructed, the way it's been developed. It's awful. 
I think that's a perfect place to end this. Let's just let's let's end it. It's it's awful. Quote unquote Chris Knee. Works for me. All right. Guys, thanks for listening. I know this wasn't a pleasant podcast. I, this is I was trying to put perspective into something that doesn't look very pretty right now. So thanks for listening. Hopefully we have a little bit more of an upbeat approach on the next podcast next week and uh, we'll have at least some some glimmers to, to kind of work around. But right now, uh, weird times in Tallahassee. So for the Knowles 24-7 podcast, this is Brendan Sinone. Thanks to Christine for joining me. We'll talk to you guys next time.